Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. You're listening to the best of Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Be sure to catch our show live every Sunday on 1370 AM Austin. For information, archives, and upcoming presentations, visit our website at www.livingwealthyradio.com. What if there was a place where your hard-earned cash could grow safely and sanely without being pilfered by bankers, Wall Street, tax collectors, or other persons of dubious character? A place where you could say no to the motion sickness-inducing ups and downs of the stock market. Where you didn't have to grovel on your hands and knees every time you wanted to borrow money from some tight-fisted banker who collects all your private data and then turns you down. Such a world sounds too good to be true, doesn't it? Well, it isn't. All you need to do is call toll-free right now and ask for your Living Wealthy Financial Information Packet. It costs nothing and it will tell you exactly what you need to do to chart a more prosperous financial course and take back what belongs to you. So, do it. Call right now. 1-800-382-0830 That's 1-800-382-0830 Or, visit our website at www.livingwealthyfinancial.com You'll be glad you did. Good Sunday, Austin. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio with your host, Teresa Kuhn. The new talk radio 96.3 and 1370. Good afternoon. You're listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard every Sunday at noon here on Talk Radio 1370 AM and 96.3 FM. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. What is keeping you from achieving the life you've always wanted? Is it fear of rejection, of not being good enough? What could you do if you were not afraid? I believe that we can conquer our deep-rooted fears. We can accomplish more than we ever dreamed, whether it's going for the promotion that you feel you deserve or talking to the guy or gal in your life that you want to ask out on a date. Our guest today, Rhonda Britton, author of Fearless Living, Live Without Excuses and Love Without Regret, is the founder of Living Fearless Living Institute, and she has helped people get over these fears and become the people they are truly meant to be. Rhonda has hosted her own reality show, Help Me Rhonda, and also appeared on Oprah several times. Rhonda, tell us about the inspiration behind your Fearless Living Institute. Well, uh, I, I love that question because, you know, most things are inspired if we really think about it. And this was more than inspired. It was I had to do it or i die. I mean, literally. You know, I 
tried so many things as I was trying to heal my own life and my own pain. And, you know, everything I tried would, you know, give me a tool, give me a skill. It would, you know, maybe build that confidence a little bit. But then at the end of the day, I couldn't keep that confidence or I couldn't keep that self-esteem. And, and regardless of how many workshops and books I took, I still felt bad about myself. I still felt there was something wrong with me. And, um, and, and this journey really, you know, kind of culminated because of one particular instant, instance in my life that um, is, you know, just still, you know, still present in the air I breathe because it's part of who I am, right? And, and that's what happens when um, something tragic happens to us. It becomes part and parcel of who we are. It doesn't own us, but it becomes part and parcel. So June 15th and 19th, uh, June 15th, it was Father's Day, and my parents had recently separated. And my father was coming over to take us out to brunch, me and my two sisters. And my sisters are in the bathroom fighting it out. And, you know, I'm out, out there with my mom getting to the car. And my dad's going, come on, come on, you know, like dads do. And uh, as he goes to his trunk to get a coat, because it just had started to sprinkle, uh, I noticed he didn't grab his coat, but he grabbed a gun. And mm. he started screaming at my mother. Yeah, this is your fault, this is your fault, and he fired. And I'm out there with them going, mm. stop, 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 what are you doing? You know, screaming. And my father points the gun to me. Mm. And I really believed in that moment, Teresa, that I was next. I mean, there was no doubt in my mind. My father just pointed that gun right at me, and mm. he blinked, and I blinked. And my mother, literally with a bullet in her abdomen, sees what's happening, and literally with her last breath yells no. And my father takes that loaded gun and instead of shooting me, shoots my mother a second time. Mm. And um, in the next second, my father kneels down right next to me and puts the gun to his head and fires. And so literally within two minutes, I was the sole witness to my father murdering my mother and committing suicide in front of me. And, you know, we, you know, obviously that's, you know, that's horrific. And to get through that, you know, you know, I blamed myself. I thought it was my fault. I didn't stop him. I just yelled, screamed. I didn't jump in front of the gun. I didn't grab the gun. I didn't do anything heroic, you know. I just was like, that, that. And so for the next 20 years, and literally 20 years, I beat myself up. I had nightmares every night. I drank when it got too hard. Um, you know, I did things in order to, you know, calm the devil within me, right? Calm that, that blame and that shame and that guilt. And... You know, if you would have met me, Teresa, you would not know any of this because I, unless you were super probably intuitive, but I looked on the outside like everything was fine. You know, I got three days in school. I got a scholarship to college. You know, I Rhonda, moved to a big city. Did you did you separate um, internally, emotionally? Did you disconnect from the event and those emotions in order to continue living and on the outside appear like you were, you know, the great the great girl, right? The really good girl yeah. that didn't have all this stuff going well, on. I think what happened is I, you know, basically I did. I separated into two. You know, the disassociated. Me was like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm mm-hmm. fine. Right. But the inside in me, you know, middle of the night stuff. Right. When we're sitting there in the middle of the night, by yourself, still blamed. Yep. Still blame myself. Still beat myself up. And so, you know, I wasn't integrated as many people aren't. And. I would take workshops, I went to therapy, I did all these things, but they didn't fundamentally make me feel better about myself, fundamentally make me okay. And so literally after my third suicide attempt, I, I, I just literally started making up stuff myself. 
and started really uncovering that it was fear at the cause of it all. And if I could just understand how fear worked, then maybe I could harness it and master it. So what were you afraid of? Well, I think, you know, everybody's afraid of, you know, there's nobody that's not afraid, right? You know, whether it's a fear of rejection or fear of looking selfish or a fear of looking stupid or fear of being unlovable, fear of feeling worthless, right? All of us have fears, period, end of story. It's part and parcel of how we are biologically made up. And, you know, my fears are probably no different than your fears, you know, fear of being a loser, fear of being seen as a loser. I mean, look at this thing that happened in my life. Um, you know, fear that I uh, will be rejected because of it. I mean, I kept it a secret. I would never tell anybody that this happened to me. I mean, are you kidding? What would they think, right? I mean, when I moved away to go to college, I made up a whole other reason my parents weren't there, right? So, you know, when we have these fears, they give us permission to feel guilty, to worry, to feel shame, to blame others, to, you know, to beat ourselves up put ourselves down, to procrastinate. An amazing amount of energy is spent on dealing with all those demons and all those feelings and emotions and um, so counterproductive. It's amazing you were able to function at all, but I think that goes back to you you being able to dissociate. What happened with your sisters? What were their experience? Well, both my sisters, um, you know, they, they dealt with it in their own way. You know, my older sister... Um, you know, both of them had done their own personal healing, you know, done their own things. But, you know, they both have been married now for over 30 years. Um, you know, they do their stuff. But I think, you know, my little sister, Linda, um, was my daddy's favorite. And so she, Mm. you know, you can't talk about bad about dad when you're around Linda. You know, like, Mm. she's literally, like, put in the past, doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to think about it just shut the door on it, right? Mm-hmm. Like that day, she just shut the door. Mm-hmm. And then my older sister, Cindy, I think really was filled with blame and shame for herself because, you know, now then she became the parent, per se, she was the older sister. So she felt very responsible for us. And, um, and, and what we didn't give her that responsibility, right? She just felt really responsible. So I think she's had a lot of guilt over the years and a lot of worry and a lot of shame. And she's on her own personal journey, so she's, you know, very much healed at this point. Um, but I really was the way shower. You know, I was the one that was like, we got to solve this. we got to get, we got to change this, right? Were you the middle um, child? I'm the, I'm the middle, middle of three girls. Middle of three girls. Okay. Yes. And how do you think that played into your birth order? How did that play into your experience and your healing? Oh, I I think being the middle child, you know, being the middle child, you know, I was always trying to compete with my sisters, right? I was always compared to my sisters. I was the mediator in the family, right? I, I was the one that, in my family system, I was the kind of the superstar in my family. You know, I was the one in the plays, and I was the one in the, uh, you know, got straight A's, and I was the one. So I was kind of the leader in my family. And so, um, I, and I, was, so I was the one that really uh, took, took the bull by its horn, so to speak, because I couldn't live like this anyway. But I also was, being a middle child, I think I also took on the sensitivities of everyone. I, I mean, I think I definitely was more emotional, and more uh, distraught by it than anybody else. And, of course, I was the only witness. Mm. So seeing it, seeing it is very mm-hmm. different than, you know, hearing about it, right? Um, 
And so being there and, and recognizing that I screamed, but I didn't do anything physical to stop my father and mother, um, you know, haunted me for 20 years. Well, you, you were also a victim of your father almost shooting you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So that's and I was a victim to, be, to witnessing it. To, exactly. You know, exactly. So it wasn't just that you witnessed two people, you know, a person killing somebody else. You were almost shot and killed by your own father. Yes. Yes. Talk and about yes, turnaround, exactly. you know, in your mind and your emotions. The play on that is just horrific. Well, my father, when I was 12, had strangled me, tried to strangle me. And, you know, I said some smart-ass comment to him, smarty-butt comment to him, and um, um, he followed me and, and started strangling me. And my little sister was there, and she got him to stop. And I, and I really think my father was so enraged at that moment. I don't know if he would have stopped, mm. you know, because he was just so enraged. And my sister Linda really did stop him. Um, so when he pointed that gun at me, I really didn't think he wouldn't do it because he had done it two years before, you know, trying to strangle me. So I, and I was always his nemesis in the family. You know, I was the one that, you know, um, you know, kind of he always picked on. So him having a gun in front of me wasn't like, oh my God, my father's going to kill me. It was like, oh, of course he's going to kill me. I mean, and still today, sometimes I, you know, think, like, I know that if my mother went to screen, he may have killed me, you know. Mm. Um, he had written a letter to um, his brothers and sisters saying that he was going to kill us all. So he actually had had a plan to kill everybody. And um, Oh, my goodness. I think, yeah, but I think he just, whatever that moment was, you know, he didn't follow through with that, but he, so he just focused on my mother. Mm. But just hearing those words, you know, this is your fault, your fault, you know, as he's pulling out the gun and with the bullet, I mean, talk about learning a language of blame, right, and being a victim. You know, as my father's got the gun and he's blaming my mother for, you know, killing killing her, right, mm -hmm. it's like the, 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 the absolute victim of that. And, but we do that, all of us do that in our everyday lives, you know, I mean, like, just because this horrific thing happened to me doesn't mean that I have more fear than anyone else. And so... You know, that's the thing that I find so fascinating is, you know, you're in a relationship and you can't speak up to your mate or you're in a relationship and you can't say no, right? Or you give too much, you know, you work too hard and you don't take care of yourself. All those are run by fear. So, you know, fear is very subtle. It is very tricky and it knows everything you know. It is as smart as you are, as educated as you are, as spiritual as you are. That's why it knows exactly what to tell you in order to keep you up, you know, it's, uh, what I like to say is safe, you know, and safe is usually a form of stuck or the same or a smaller version of yourself because um, you're safe that way, right? You're not taking any risks. You're not, you know, going out doing crazy stuff. You're not, you know, opening your own business. You know, you're not, you're not doing anything that really would make a big difference in your life, really a brave act. So fear can keep kind of keep you, keep you under lock and key. And Let, so let's dissect fear for a second, if you don't mind. So sure. you speak of fear as if it's a uh, another part of you, right? As its yeah. own individual. Why did you just do that? Yeah. Well, I like to think of fear as a mechanism in order to have people start giving their giving themselves space between them and fear, 
because fear is such an integral part. You know, we hear that voice all the time. You know, if fear, if fear is in our life, we hear that negative self-talk. We hear that beating ourselves up. We hear that voice telling us to do this, not do that. Well, you should do that. That's not really a nice person. You shouldn't do that. If you, you know, we hear all of that conversation. And so I like to push it away a little bit so people can get a better view of it, so that they can get a little perspective rather than thinking it lives inside of you, even though we know the amygdala does, we know the hippocampus does. You know, just like to give it a little space so that you can actually look at it with a fresh perspective. So, do so you think, I like to think of it as a mechanism. A mechanism. Do you think sometimes that voice, that fear, has a name? Like could it sometimes be a parent or a mate or someone oh, sure, who's influenced sure. us in our sure, life? absolutely. Yeah, sure, it could be all those things. But again, you know, making it so simplistic as that, you know, oh, that's the voice of my mother, and you think that that's your voice of fear, it makes it very simplistic. So then what happens when you, um, you know, use your spirituality against you or you use your education against you, and it's not your mother's voice? So when you just make it one particular person, mm. um, it makes it easy and simple, but it also doesn't really give you the full expansive view. Mm. Fear is much smarter than that. Mm-hmm. You know, it'll use what it uses. It'll use your mother's voice. It'll use your mate's voice. Um, it'll use, you know, your minister's voice. You know, it'll use everybody's voice. But it's, it's, it's much more expansive than that. If it was just a voice, all of us could be like, oh, this is my mother, and just walk away. But that's not how it works because it affects our body. You know, we start, we literally start having a feeling that if we do something, we're going to die. We literally have a feeling that something bad's going to happen. We literally feel like this is such not a good idea. And, you know, when people have that visceral feeling, most people actually think, that it's a bad idea, right? Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily know how to separate that you might be having a physical reaction because it's actually a really good idea, but you're just so frightened to do it because of your past, because of your legacy, because of the way the amygdala works in you, you know, that you might not do that thing just because you're feeling this overwhelming feeling like this is a bad idea, right? So, again, I, I don't want to – I want to kind of separate instinct versus emotional fear. You know, instinct is – physical safety. I want to just for ease, I'll separate it that way. So you go into an elevator, you get a really bad feeling. Yes. Walk out of the elevator. That's your instinct of staying alive, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You're, you know, you're walking down a street and all of a sudden you look around you and even though you don't see anything, you get a weird feeling. Yes. Follow that. That's your instinct. But what I'm talking about is when you're wanting to say something to your mate, you wanting to bring something up and you literally feel like it's going to be really bad if you do, right? I mean, that moment when you just think like, oh, yeah, it's going to be really bad if I do, that moment may not be what you think it is. That moment may be that fear has got you so, so by the, you know, so by your, you know, your soul, by your, your beingness that you can't distinguish between taking an act for your benefit, a risk for your benefit, than hurting somebody else or feeling the pain of somebody else or the suffering of somebody else. So we get discombobulated. We we confuse. I mean, when I hear people say, well, everything should be easy, and if it's not easy, then, you know, God's telling you not to do it, or, you know, the universe is telling you not to do it. It's like, oh, my God, if if I thought that, I would never have gotten anything done in my entire life. I, I know. Right? I know. Absolutely. And there's such a thing as comfort zone, right? And what is it when you yes, when you go around your comfort zone? What's on the other side of that? Fear, right, as you're breaking through your comfort zone? We'd all right. we'd all stay in a little bubble. We'd all stay into our little zone or our little box. Exactly. So I, I have this uh, exercise, and, I'll, and I actually want to give it to your listeners. Sure. There's an exercise that I call the comfort zone 
and then there's a stretch risk and die zone and you know around your comfort zone you're absolutely right there is literally a ring of fear literally a ring of fear so when you move when you're moving even thinking about it even thinking about investing money even thinking about treating your money differently even thinking about you know finding love if you haven't dated for 10 years having a new thought can activate that ring of fear and people usually say things like well but i'm not doing anything i don't get what's the big deal you know i guess i'm not supposed to do it it's like no, you don't have to be doing anything. You could just be thinking in your thought, and your body could be reacting. Your negative self-talk could start start kicking up. Right, so, and what does that look you know, like? That's the sweaty palms. It's your stomach tightening up, your throat tightening up. It is a physical reaction to just a thought. That's right. Right, and you could get a headache, right? You could get right. a knee-ache, right? Your back could hurt. Right. So, you know, everybody experiences fear in different ways, and, and we experience it all three ways, but usually there's one stronger than the other. Some of us, you know, feel it in our bodies, period. They, we just feel it in our bodies. Other people feel it through their feelings. You know, they just have this overwhelming feeling, all these feelings they have. And then other people have thoughts, right? So there's feelings, there's thoughts, there's body reactions. So, you know, all of us have all three of them, but usually one is heavier than the other. One is more focused than the other. So whether your thoughts start going, your chitter-chatter in your head, whether you start having overwhelming feelings, or whether your body reacts, all of those are signals that fear is on patrol. And so one of the things that I've done is um, created, you know, something called the Wheel of Fear and the Wheel of Freedom to give people a layman's, a layman's uh, journey on how to look at fear, see how it is in your own life, and then switch it so that you can understand. Because first of all, you have to understand how it works. What are the mechanisms of fear? And then once you understand how it works, you can actually choose to get off that wheel at any point based on your awareness level, and you can choose to what I call get on get on what I call the wheel of freedom. So you know there's 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 part of that wheel of fear and that wheel of freedom that um, you know people just don't understand. I mean we've never been taught about this. That's the thing. Nobody there's not a class you know in junior high about fear, which oh by the way there should be. Uh, you know there's no class in college or high school saying fear 101, right? Like nobody explains it. And if you're a neuroscience geek like I am, sure you know about the amygdala. Sure you know about the hippocampus. Sure you know. I mean, sure I've read all these books on fear. But they don't really explain it in the layman's terms when you're on the ground in the middle of a fight with your spouse how it, how it works out. So I, I personally believe there should be emotional IQ you know, uh, courses in, in junior high, in elementary school, in high school, college, <laughs> so right? Because that's that's life. That's what we deal with all the time. And we're never taught how to deal with these that's emotions right. and fear and everything else. That's right. That's right. That's right. So, you know, emotional IQ is so critical. So, you know, fearless living gives people a higher emotional and social IQ so that they can actually interact in the world. So you can go and speak to who you want to speak to. You can go and meet who you want to meet. You can open that business. You can create that wealth. You can build that relationship that's loving. And you'll and, and you have the skills, the resources, the support and the tools to do it because you're not afraid to go get those, right? That's the thing. Fear tells you you can't go get them. Fear tells you you can't make that connection. Fear tells you that you don't have a right. Fear tells you that you're not good enough. In whatever way that is for you, you are not good enough. That's the bottom line fear says. You're not smart enough, you're not pretty enough, you're not, you know, evolved enough, you're not spiritual enough, you know, something enough. You know, you're not good enough, perfect enough. We could go on all day. Um, and so that fear tells us these things, and we believe it because of our past, because of the legacy, because of things we've been told, because of experiences in our life. So we believe it. 
and then we keep on acting out. Like we may have a breakthrough once in a while, but usually fear will get us back pretty quick. You know, so we'll pull out a little bit, and then that's that feeling of two steps forward, one step back, mm-hmm. one step forward, two step back, mm-hmm. or feeling like you're on that treadmill going around and around and around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to hear about this wheel of fear exercise that you've got, how we can overcome our fear. Absolutely. So let me talk, let me just say what the Wheel of Fear is. And then I also have um, some free videos because I think, you know, uh, we're on the radio right now, so I don't have any visuals in front of me. So if your listeners want to go to Rhonda Britton, that's R-H-O-N-D-A-B-R-I-T-T-E-N.com forward slash risk, R-I-S-K, those videos, I'm going to give you three videos, and those three free videos are going to explain the comfort zone, stretch, risk, and die exercise, uh, which I can touch on as well, as well as it explains the wheel of fear in detail. So I can give you an overview now, and then if your listeners want to le- really see it in action and learn about it at a deeper level, they can go on over to those videos and, and, and really kind of get a taste of it. Absolutely, and we will also have the link on livingwealthyradio.com. So, um, but it's Rhonda Britton, uh, dot, com. dot com forward slash dot Risk, R-I-S-K, because mm-hmm. that's what we got to do, right? we got to risk, whether that's in love, whether that's with our health, and, you know, that's, you know, good risk, like, love, you know, loving our bodies, caring for our mates, caring for ourselves, loving ourselves, um, building our self-esteem and self-confidence so that we can do anything, go anywhere, and, and, and really live the life our soul intended, really be who we're meant to be, right, why we're on this earth. Absolutely. So, so before we get into the exercise, Give us a, a couple stories of clients or, or people that have been helped by by um, by your techniques. Oh my gosh, I have so so many. I it's know your your boy. website is full of testimonials, but they're so great. Share a couple of them. Well, I I just think of somebody who just emailed me yesterday, and this woman named Susan, and she just wrote me the most amazing email, telling me how when she first started with Fearless Living, she didn't wasn't in a relationship um she had a, knew she had to change her life but she didn't really have the confidence to do what she wanted to do she didn't really have the self-esteem she really doubted her abilities she really listened to that voice of fear you know and uh, which again most of us do like oh that's not a good idea you know so and and since then now she's in a loving relationship she's actually lost weight which is so it's such a fun it's so funny because so many people have a side effect of losing weight when they do my program why is that fear well i think because fear has us you know do that overeating not caring for ourselves not appreciating ourselves not respecting ourselves not honoring ourselves so i cannot tell you how many people do my program and say i've lost 15 pounds effortlessly i've lost 10 pounds effortlessly it's awesome. it's this really interesting kind of side effect uh because when you're willing to have a relationship with yourself and have a relationship with fear, um, you know, you your stress decreases. And when your stress, stress decreases and you start caring for yourself, your body responds, right? Mm. So, you know, she's lost weight. She is in a loving relationship. And she says that she really believes that she can do anything. I mean, from somebody who didn't think that she could do almost anything, she has moved from somebody who can do everything. I've had people open businesses. I think of a woman who wanted to be a manager of a restaurant, and she was a waitress. And through our work together, within a matter of months, um, she built up the confidence to move from the waitering to becoming literally an assistant manager. And now she's a manager of a very, very fancy restaurant. And, you know, she would have never thought she could do that in the past. You know, I've had people open businesses. I've had people, you know, I can't tell you how many people have opened businesses. 
um, you know, because they've come to me and they've been like, I really want to open this business, but, you know, I don't know what I'm doing and blah, blah, blah. And so we work together and look at the fear as well as look at the practical aspects of opening a business, right? So what so, about those that um, have a clinical, like, you know, agoraphobic, right? They they are literally afraid of leaving their space, their homes, um, and many people are, are trapped inside their homes for years. Have you helped anybody like that? Yeah. Well, you know, the things that I've helped people with are anxiety, you know, um, people that have been on anxiety medication, and I'm not saying, I'm not a medical doctor, so I can't right, guarantee this for everyone, but I've had people, um, you know, get off anxiety meds, um, you know, so those types of things. Um, I don't work with um, people who are fear of flying, even though I can definitely, I shouldn't say that because I've had clients that are afraid of flying, and I give them some physical exercises to do to calm their body before they get on a flight, Um because I've done a lot of trauma uh, work, I know a lot of things to help the body relax so that you can be present and that you can make choices. So I've definitely helped people in those ways. So, But a lot of those other things, uh, uh, like you're speaking of, really I would want people to go to counselors so that they can get the emotional support for those types of things. I have had people tell me they've changed their life and changed different things, but I would not necessarily advocate my program to be the only solution. Definitely you need therapy support. Therapy support, okay. I mean, my, I mean, this woman, Susan, writes to me, I was always insecure. I didn't have self-awareness. I was, a, I had no backbone, and I was a doormat. Mm. I, Rhonda literally changed my life. I went through a metamorphosis. I did fearless living. Uh, she did my fearless living program online, and she did it wholeheartedly, full-heartedly, did every exercise, and now has a backbone, and now is able to say no, and able to put boundaries in place, and able to speak up for herself, and I, and I, and I think, you know, you know, fear tells us that we shouldn't speak. Fear tells us that you can't express. Fear tells you that you can't be authentic because you're going to be rejected. Fear tells you that you can't tell your family this or that. You know, so fear just, you know, has its way with you, and it knows exactly what to say because it knows everything you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it, once you start understanding how fear works, like I said, you can really befriend it, use it for your benefit, and actually actually, actually use it to, to, to for you rather than against you. How about public speakers, um, people that are afraid of, of speaking in public? I think that's the number one fear, right, after? It is. Isn't that, yeah, isn't that funny? Right. Well, it's so interesting because public speaking, the fear of public speaking, you know, we're not afraid to speak in public, most of us. What we're doing is we're afraid of the rejection. We're afraid of looking stupid. We're afraid of the consequences of speaking publicly. So, you know, that's the thing. You know, everybody kind of lays out these fears. Well, I'm afraid of looking, you know, I'm afraid of opening my own business. It's like, well, yeah, you're afraid of opening your business because of other fears, And which brings me to another point, is that people think, you know, uh, you know, people think that they have all these fears. You know, I, I, I have to be perfect. You know, I ha- I, I'm, I'm, you know, I have to, I have to be good enough. You know, they have all these, these numerous fears, all these, all these things that are their problems. Let's put it that way. All, and, and what I like to say is, the problems, the things that you think are your problems, get you to therapy, get you to life coaching, get you get support, get you to move through programs, you know, get you to read books like Fearless Living. You know, they get you to do those things. But those are just symptoms of fear. And fear is really pulling the strings to all those problems. Why are you a perfectionist? You know, it's not because just as simple as you're afraid not to be perfect. There's other things going on, whether that's fear of being inadequate or, you know, fear of being worthless, right? So there's other deeper fears that cause that perfectionism to pop up. There's deeper fears that cause that fear of public speaking to come up. So, yes, I've definitely worked with public speaking a lot. Um, that is definitely something that I can support people with and something that is that is actually easier than you think. 
it's much easier than you think. Um, it's the fear of the fear that actually keeps most people paralyzed rather than working through the fear is a lot less scary than the fear of the fear, right? So when I start working with people with fear of public speaking, it, it sw- switches very, very quickly. Very interesting. Wow. Well, you could, you know, market package your your program in so many different ways, right? Lose weight, yeah. although that, you know, that one's tricky, right, for obvious reasons. Right. I never, I've never done that. No, <laughs> no, you shouldn't do that either. Uh, and of course, you know, master public speaking or master your your fear of public. Speaking. I mean, there's just so many different ways to package what you do because we all. It's such a human experience. Yes. Who does That's not right. experience I, fear? Those that are right. that that have brain damage, right? That can't access that's that part right. of their brain. That's that's the only you know type of person that doesn't have fear. Everyone's got everyone's that's afraid right. of something, right? Um, right. One and, other and, fear. And uh-huh. my number. And my one other one. My, and my major job is actually uh, to educate people that they actually have fear because so many people, you know, they don't walk around saying I'm afraid or I'm scared. So they don't, when I look at them and say, you know, what's your fear? They're like, I'm not afraid of anything. I go, oh, okay, great. So you don't worry. You don't complain. You, you don't regret. You know, you, haven't, you don't hold any grudges. You know, you can say I love you. You can put boundaries in place. And they look at me like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Right. You know, so so, so it's the first thing is just educating people that the things that are stopping them, the stress that they're feeling, the anxiety they're feeling, the worry they're feeling, are just symptoms of another fear. And so if you can address the fear itself, all that worry and that anxiety really dissipates. Well, one of one of my biggest fears that I've had to work on over the years is, you know, my son. He's he's my love, right? My only child, right. and I've had a fear forever that something, you know, terrible would happen to him, yeah. which is a nor. I know it's a normal fear that parents yeah. have, right? And I'm yeah. much better today, but I'm sure that's a common fear you run across. Absolutely. I mean, that's just the love of a parent, right? It's just the love of a parent and wanting to keep your child safe and feeling responsible. I mean, they're vulnerable, they're innocent, um, you're their protector. So that's just a natural, normal reaction. Um, you know, where it becomes uh, where it becomes ineffective is when it debilitates you, right? Mm-hmm. When it stops you from allowing your son or your daughter to do what they need to do, right, to live their life. So, you know, what I always tell parents is... Um, one of the things I ask parents to do is to trust their child's soul. You know, the, your child has a particular soul, a particular purpose, a particular place in this world to live out their, you know, their, their life, right? I mean, I think about myself, and, you know, when I was in my 20s, I drank. I mean, I, I mean if you would have thought, I mean, if I, I would have never thought I could be here today, right? And my whole family was worried about me, right? My sisters would be worried about me. Everybody was like, oh, Rhonda's not doing well. You know, I mean, and I think about that when a parent comes to me, because parents come to me all the time, like, oh, my child's, you know, drinking too much. My child isn't contacting me. My, I, I haven't heard from my kid. You know, I'm worried my son's going to do this. I'm so worried about my daughter's going to do this. And, you know, she's dating somebody I don't like, you know, and they have all this worry and anxiety. And I say, one, you have to be, be, be willing to be a parent. And I think fear stops us from being good parents um, because we're not really willing to put boundaries in place and put consequences in place. Um, that takes a fear. That takes a fearless parent. Right. Correct. Um, and the other thing is that so we're not willing to actually be parents to our children. And then the other thing is you know trusting that child's soul that they're on their own journey. So to really discover who your child is rather than making your child who you think they should be. So that takes evolution. That takes awareness. That takes you know uh, social and emotional IQ. Um, that takes courage to mm-hmm. allow your child mm-hmm. to develop as 
their soul intends rather than what you think they should be and to really support them through that. Where so, does yes, parenting is a big one. Where does spirituality come in play with what you teach? Because for me, what I've ended up doing is knowing that, you know, God has a bigger plan for my child and I can't control what's going to happen to my child. So that's played a a big part for me in dealing with my fear around my child. Well, what I always say is that, you know, when you do fearless living, um, there's nowhere else to go but God, right? Um, Because I do believe that, that in order to have a full life, it's one thing to have a spiritual component, but it's another thing to have skills, tools, awareness, understanding. So, you know, there are so many spiritual people that rely on God, period. You know, like, oh, you know, the, you know, the whole joke, like, you know, oh, there's a flood, you know, that whole yes. joke that everyone says, you know, yes. there's a flood, right? And come, why didn't you save me, God, right? Well, I sent a boat, I sent a helicopter. Right. Like, that's what, right? That's what fearless living is. Like, on the boat, on the helicopter, right? And you keep saying, God, save me. And I'm like, yeah, well, here's a program, and here's some videotapes, and wait, and, you know, look at, you know, take this and read this, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm doing like, hey, I've got the helicopter, i got the boat, and you keep on wanting to go, well, it's going to, you know, it's going to come from out there. It's like, no, I'm the answer to your prayer, or mm. no, you're the answer to people's prayer. And again, I'm not saying that I'm answering everybody's prayer, but, you know, the people that we meet, the programs that we discover, the problems we have, the challenges we encounter are pathways for us to learn the skills we need in order to become who we're meant to be. Absolutely. And so fear Fear is a mechanism, and you need some skills in order to master it. Mm-hmm. And you must be willing to do that, or it's just going to show up different ways. You know, right. you're going to solve one problem, and it's going to pop up over here. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm a I'm I'm very spiritual. I'm actually a spiritual practitioner. I actually, was in a spiritual school, so I have a, I have a deep spiritual connection with God. And I still need my school skills. I still need to understand fear in order to do God's bidding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What what you resist persists, right? So if, right. if you resist right. facing your fear, it's going to be there for the rest of your life. It persists. It does not go away. That's right. That's right. And, and you know, I, I mean, I'm a big prayer. Prayer, you know, all those things are great skills. You know, praying is a tool, and doing it well is a skill, right? So you have these tools, you have these skills. But, again, you need more than that. You need, you, you, know, you know, God created um, all these amazing programs, all these amazing people to guide you in all the areas of your life that you need support with. And so we're all here just trying to support everyone that needs us. And um, I know that's my mission on Earth. And uh, I know from what I know about you, Teresa, that's your mission on Earth. Mm-hmm. It's like just to support the people that need what, we, what we've mm-hmm. learned, right, mm-hmm. and what we know. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that those people will come towards us and, and, and get the support they need through the work that we do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, let's uh, let's take a short break, and um, then when we come back with Rhonda Britton, you are going to share with us, Rhonda, some uh, techniques and exercises so that we can get on our way to living fearless. Living Wealthy Radio. Visit Teresa's team online at livingwealthyradio.com, 1-800-382-0830 now. Call 1-800-382-0830. Welcome back, Austin, to Living Wealthy Radio with Teresa Kuhn. Our guest today, Rhonda Britton, author of Fearless Living, Live Without Excuses and Love Without Regret. Stay tuned because if you go to livingwealthyradio.com, there will be a link where if you click on, you can actually win 
Rhonda's course on fearless living. So Rhonda, my my experience with fear, I fear is one of those things, one of those emotions that I've had to struggle with because growing up, my mother did have um, a lot of fears about uh, parenting and her children. And even to this day, she lives and she admits it, you know, this is how she's going to live. She's not going to change. And so in order for me to do what I wanted to accomplish in life, I had to overcome my fear and my voice, right? And so, uh, you know, I've had my little techniques that I've worked on over the years, but so excited to learn about yours. So let's get into it. Yeah, thank you. So let me start with um, structures can die because it'll be quick and easy, and then we'll move into the wheel of fear. So this is an exercise that people can do right now today. So let's let's do that. Um, I want everybody to think of a bullseye, and in the middle of the bullseye is the comfort zone, right? And that comfort zone, for the sake of sake of the definition, is the comfort zone is your life right now, right? So let's just use that comfort zone right now is the life you have right now. So what you're happy with is your comfort zone. What you're not happy with is your comfort zone. Um, I call the comfort again. zone your coffin, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's your coffin, right? It's your little yeah. box. Well, I'm going to shift it for you a little bit so that you can think of it. Uh, it, it you can think of it that way, but I want to think of it a little bit more expansively. So more expansively the than the coffin. Okay. Because yeah. I, I, yeah, yeah, I visualize the coffin and me kicking right that lid of that coffin <laughs> off. Hey, well, if that inspires you and motivates you, I think go for it. Right? I'd, I'd rather have something a little more positive, so bullseye sounds better. Thank you. Thank you for replacing that image for me. <laughs> so so in the middle of this bullseye is this comfort zone. And so, again, that's your life right now. So whatever your life is right now, so whatever problems you have, you've got a husband, a wife, a partner, whatever it is, kids, no kids, job, no job, business, whatever you got, that's your comfort zone. So outside of that of the first ring of the bullseye is what I call the stretch zone. Okay? The what and zone? The stretch zone. Stretch. Stretch. T-R-E-T-C-H. The stretch zone. Okay. And the stretch zone is the first, you know, step outside your comfort zone. And the stretch zone are the things you think you can do, you know you can do, but you just haven't done them. Okay? So the things you know you could do, but you just haven't done them. So it might be, you know, you should eat more vegetables. You know that you should open a savings account. You know that you could walk around the block. You just don't do it, right? You know you should pay more attention to your finances. You just don't, right? The next ring around the stretch zone is what I call the risk zone, R-I-S-K, the risk zone. And the risk zone are the things in your life that you don't know if you can do. You know, you don't know if you can do. You know, in the stretch zone, you know you can walk around the block unless you have, you know, physical disabilities, but the risk zone might be running a mile or running three miles, and you don't know if you can do that. You don't know if you were really push comes to shove. You don't know if you could really do that. You know, maybe, maybe, but I don't know. And then outside the risk zone is what I call the die zone, D-I-E, mm. the die zone. And the die zone are those things that, you know, people are like, well, why don't you open your own business? And you're like, are you crazy? I'd die if I did that, right? Mm. You, you literally feel you're going to die. Right. You know, like I said about you haven't dated for 12 years and the thought of dating. It's like, are you kidding me? I, going, you know, go online dating. Are you kidding me? I'll die. I'd rather die, right? right. I'd rather die so the, than do that. I'd rather die, right? So the die zone are all those things that you'd be like, I'd rather die. There's no way I'm ever doing that, right? So... I want everybody to start thinking of the things that they want to accomplish in their life. So think of one goal that you want to accomplish, so whether it's opening your business, whether it's becoming financially wealthy, 
whether it's, um, you know, uh, being really more productive, whether it's finding love, you know, again, weight loss, doesn't matter what it is, okay? I find that many people's to-do lists are run by fear, right? They're just, and, and, and so they, you know, they have these 10 things that they want to do on their to-do list to make this goal happen. And, you know, they do number one and they do number two and then they skip three and then they do four and they skip five and six and then they do seven, right? And they're always skipping three and they're always skipping five and six. And, you know, a month later, they still got those things on their list. And it's like, why aren't I doing those? God, why can't I do it, right? Well, the stretch, risk, and die exercise is actually going to turn your to-do list on its ear and it's actually going to give you more permission to make more things happen in your life than you ever thought possible. And it's going to start including in your goal setting and in the things that you want to make happen an emotional component, your you know fear component. Because when you write that list of 10 things, you know, three, five, and six might be really scary and you got to, you, you know, you go, but I got to do it, so just suck it up. But you can't suck it up. You just skip it, right? So... Think of that goal you want to achieve, you know, again, whether it's weight loss or whether it's finding love or opening a business. And when you start thinking of that to-do list, I want you to start plotting your to-do list based on whether it's in your comfort zone, whether it's a stretch for you, whether it's a risk, or you'd rather die. Right? Okay, so we're categorizing our to-do list based on your four, you, you know, the, the, the bullseye. Comfort zone. Yep. Comfort zone, comfort stretch. Zone. Is this my comfort zone? I can do this, no problem. Is it my stretch zone? I don't know. I can. I, yes, I can do it, but I haven't done it. My risk zone, I don't know if I can do this. I need maybe more resources. I need more sport. I need more tools. I need something. I don't know if I can do this by myself. I don't know if I have it in me. And then the die zone, it's like, well, you know, no, this really does scare me. No wonder I keep skipping it, right? So, but aren't now, most people's to-do list not include those items that, you know, they'd rather die? Well, sometimes they do. And sometimes when you do this list, what's really cool is you start recognizing what things, when you start plotting things on this list, you know, what I ask people to do is actually get together with a friend and brainstorm all the things you'd have to do in order to make that thing happen. So opening a business, what would you have to do? Well, you'd have to get, you know, maybe if it's a physical business, you have to get a realtor and you have to sign lease papers and you have to save $10,000. And so if you just brainstorm and allow yourself to really think of all the things that you may have to do in order to make this happen, Mm -hmm. Then you start including some of those dies and you Got include it. more of those risks, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't want you to think of a to-do list as um, my daily to-do list of i got to go to the gym, i got to go to the grocery store. No, no, no. We're talking about getting a goal accomplished, something that's outside of the realm of possibility or something that's something that you see but you really maybe having a difficult time doing or you've maybe made a little progress but you find yourself stalling. You know, yes, you lose five pounds, but you never can lose that 20. Or, yes, you, you go to those networking meetings to open your business, but you never really – you know, get the business cards made up, but you don't really get that website up, and you don't really, you know, actually tell people what you're doing, right? Great clarification. Um, you know, right? And so you 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 go to the financial conferences and you learn everything. You know, you go to your you know your website and you listen to all these things, but you actually don't go and meet somebody. You actually don't hire somebody. You actually don't open the investment account, right? Mm-hmm. So so it's all these things that included in this thing that you really want to achieve. You know, financial wealth, love. You know. Um, business, whatever, again, whatever it is. So you brainstorm all the things that you think. And again, having a friend there is going to support you because they're going to get you thinking outside your comfort zone, right? And then you plot all these possibilities on the stretchers can die zone. 
and you start realizing why you've been stopped, why you only get so far. Because now you're including the component of how fear is on patrol and how fear is stopping you and what you really think of your capacity and your capabilities rather than pretending you can just do it, right? Then what happens is you start recognizing through the work that I share with you. And again, I'm I'm giving everyone the videos and I'm going to spell this out in more detail in these videos. But bottom line is you start in your comfort zone and you want to start moving to your stretch zone, right? You want to start doing the things that are easy for you, right? Now, here's a caveat. In the stretch zone is usually where we beat ourselves up the most because we know we can do it and we're not doing it. Hmm. So we're the most ruthless with ourselves. We're the, the meanest to ourselves because I should be able to do it. What's the big deal? I can walk around the block. Why aren't I doing that? Oh, God, don't wonder. I'm such a, ah, so lazy, you know. So Well, so far this is so interesting because what you're doing is taking inventory so that you can actually, you know, without awareness we can't make changes, right? So you're aware of, you know, you're you're dividing up the things that need to be done in order for you to reach your big goal. And in that division you've got your inventory as to, you know what, I don't have a problem doing this, but I can do this and I'm not, and this I'm deathly afraid of doing. So just that bring that awareness is so powerful. It's, it, it changes everything because now what you can do is you can actually give yourself a break and give yourself a little compassion and recognize that, oh, no wonder I don't do this. I do need a partner for that. I do need to hire somebody. I do need more support. I do need more resources. Like you start giving yourself some compassion, seeing your innocence rather than being ruthless with yourself. is like, why aren't I doing this? Why can't I make this happen? God, I've been playing with this business for five years. Why can't I just make a go? Because I'm lazy, because right? I'm stupid, because I, you know, I'm dumb or yes. I, I don't have the, you know, you go into victim mode, right? That's right. That's right. That's right. And because you have been working hard, it doesn't make sense, mm-hmm. right? And so it's like, God, I've been working hard. I've been making myself available for dates. I've been got 120 dates. I've, I've gone to 35 networking meetings. I mean, why isn't it working for me? And you start realizing all the places you skip, all the places that you don't want to address because fear tells you you don't need it or you're above that or, you know, you don't have to worry about that or, you know, and, and it, so it, it brings the focus. just like you said, it really, it brings your fear inventory in focus. And so you start seeing, okay, got it. And you start, again, giving yourself compassion, seeing your innocence, starting to see, well, no wonder I haven't done this. You know, this is in my die zone. Duh, of course. Hmm. And, this is the, and this is the beauty of it, Teresa. This is what I love about it. That's why I don't want you to think of your comfort zone as a coffin, even, you know, and yes, it could motivate and inspire you. But really what I want you to do is I want you to start doing some stretches. And what happens when you start doing those stretches, Teresa, they start becoming your comfort zone. You start doing some risks, that becomes your comfort zone. So what happens, Teresa, is eventually your risk zone becomes your stretch zone. Mm-hmm. Your die zone becomes your risk zone, and you have a whole new die zone, mm-hmm. Right. And then your die zone is now your stretch zone, for mm-hmm. God's sake. Mm-hmm. And you've got a whole new risk zone and a whole new die zone, mm-hmm. which I'm sure you, if you think of your business, I mean, I can think of my business. I started doing one-on-one consulting, right, one-on-one coaching. And then somebody asked me to teach, and I was like, I don't teach. And I was in my die zone, like, teach? What are you, crazy? I can't teach, right? And then I started teaching, right? And then somebody asked me to write a book. And I was like, I don't know how to write a book. Are you crazy? I can't write a book, Right. Everything that I was called to do, it was like, are you crazy? It was my die zone. There was no way I was going to do that. So I would break up that difficult die into stretches and risks and go, okay, but what could I do in this arena? 
you know, and, and, and chunk it down into stretches and risks so they're more palatable, building up my self-confidence and self-worth. So then your comfort zone, because I want you, Teresa, to have the biggest comfort zone possible because I want you to feel comfortable doing anything, right. anywhere, with anyone. Right. Right? That's what I want you to have. I want you to be, you know, what's the greatest compliment receive? Oh, she's so comfortable in her skin. Mm-hmm. She's so comfortable in her skin. She's so easy to be around, you know? That is one of the highest compliments anybody can receive. We we don't like to be around people that are nervous Nellies and are, you know, very introverted and, and thinking about themselves and socially awkward and, you know, because you know that's all based on fear and insecurity, right? We love that's people right. that are confident. It doesn't matter what they look like, right? It's not an attractive that's issue. It's a how they feel on their skin, how comfortable do they feel. So what you're talking about is expanding that comfort zone, or to go back to the box analogy, expanding the box, right? But I love your comfort zone because it's it's easier to visualize and and that that zone just expanding. Yeah, and it's so freeing, and it includes you, right? It includes your skill level. It includes your emotional capacity. It includes... You know, includes you instead of just a to-do list of like, well, I got to get this done. And it's like, yeah, but the reason you keep skipping A and B and the reason you keep not doing C and L is because it's a die or it's a risk and you don't have the tools or you don't have the support or you don't have the confidence and, you know, whatever that is. But so, so facing that, looking at that, looking at, you know, that fear inventory and, and really seeing it for what it is allows you to then have the courage, get the support, get the tools. It's not that you're a bad person. It's not that you're stupid. It's just because you're afraid. You know, and, and the one thing that I always tell people, um, you know, people ask me all the time, well, what's the one thing you'd want people to, you know, get from, you know, working with you or, or watching these videos or, you know, going to your website? I mean, what's the one thing you want people to get? And the one thing that I want people to get, Teresa, is that there's nothing wrong with you. It's just fear. You know, you're not stupid. You're just afraid, right? And you're not lazy. You're just afraid. Uh, you know, so if you can start seeing yourself and the world through and start understanding how fear operates, you can start seeing through a different set of eyes. Your whole perception of the world changes. And so no longer do you get mad about the things you got mad at. You know, no longer do you, you know, you know call people names or beat them up. Because you see they're in fear. Like you start seeing the world through this compassionate, open-heartedness mm-hmm. of how difficult it is. Just, I mean, let's face it, sometimes mornings it's just difficult to wake up, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like you don't want to put your covers over your head, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I mean, look at all the news we read and, you know, get inundated with. I mean, of course we have fears, you know, it's, it's, it's penetrated inside of us. And again, we're biologically wider for it, for survival. Mm-hmm. So... You know, and, and, and our brain doesn't know the difference between emotional fears and physical fears. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't know the difference between the fear of jumping off the Golden Gate Bridge and the fear of saying no to somebody that you've had a difficult time saying no to. Your brain and body don't know the difference. So once you get that, like, wow, my body and brain don't know the difference of those fears, then you can pull back and give yourself a break and really start understanding how your fear works, build a relationship with it, and then work with it, not against it. You know, you talk about how you started your career and you were working with clients one-on-one, and then you started teaching, then you wrote the book, and then you're an Emmy Award winner, right, for your reality show. So that must have been a stretch of your comfort zone, (laughs) right? Speak speak about your, your reality show for a moment. 
Sure, absolutely. I've had three reality shows. I've done over 600 episodes of reality. Oh, my God. That's a lot of episodes. Well, let's just say I've done more TV than Jennifer Aniston, okay? Um, Really? uh, Well, yeah, because 600 episodes. She did 22 episodes for 10 years. I did 600 episodes. I was on every single day. Oh, my goodness. Um, So so I was on every single day for three years, 185 episodes a year. So every single day um, I was changing lives, you know, and working with people on changing, changing their lives. So um, when you talk about all the things I've worked with, well, think of 600 episodes and think of TV. You can imagine, you know, I, I look at reality show today and trust me, every reality show you see on TV, I've done an episode of, <laughs> you know, I did hoarding, you know, 10 years ago, right? Oh so, my goodness. So, so, you know, you know, just think of all the types of people I've worked with. You name it, I've done it. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, going on TV, um, when, you know, again, you know, I'm, I just write books. I just speak. I just teach, you know. Oh, what, do you want to be on TV? It's like, huh? Um, so learning how to do that effectively, being willing to say yes to the audition, uh, you know, just being willing to go and do that first uh, audition and, and then getting hired. And then uh, my first TV show was in London, so moving to London. You know, I moved, I lived in London for my, the first two years of TV and, um, you know, working with people from all different um, nationalities, you know. So it was, it was, you know, that was talk about a risk, right? Talk and and job, here you are right? talking about fear, right? And helping people yes, overcome absolutely. their fear. You had to, you had to figure it out because otherwise. Absolutely. Wow. Well, that's the thing, you know. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.